Welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast with Dr. Thomas Hemingway. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I thought I'd be healthier, in better shape, feel better both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and be further along in my life? If so, come on this journey with my dad as he explores all things health and wellness from a holistic, medical perspective, even as a classically trained physician. He'll share integrative strategies to optimize health and inspire you to join the modern medicine movement. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast. Dr. Thomas Hemingway here sending a big aloha on this beautiful spring day. I'm looking out the window here. Oh my gosh, we have <laughs> schizophrenic weather. We just had like 60 you know, degree weather, two weeks of it here in the mountains, and then we just got almost two feet of snow today, and it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> we just got back from a trip to Florida where we spent some time on the beach. I was there for a conference. It was amazing, and ah, I just love, love, love me some vitamin D, and I got plenty over there, which was awesome. Got to surf a little bit uh, and hang out with my kids, which was amazing. We were right there on the beach. It was awesome. So I took a little bit of a break from podcasting while we were there. Just wanted to focus on my conference and my family. And so hopefully you didn't miss me too much. But if you did, that's a good thing because we're back and got a really exciting episode for you guys today. Just wanted to give you a little primer. It's going to be uh, it's going to be kind of the latest and greatest uh on intermittent fasting with a little bit of attention to detail on what uh, some people might call circadian fasting and then another sort of variation of intermittent fasting that some might describe as intuitive fasting. So we're going to talk about these things, kind of give a little update from our previous podcast almost a year ago on intermittent fasting where I first kind of introduced this concept and we talked about circadian rhythms and all that kind of stuff. So we're just going to add to that. It's going to be awesome. You're going to get some key pointers and sort of action steps on what you can do to improve your metabolic health through this very simple technique. It's its awesome. Super excited about it. Um, welcome again. If you guys uh, haven't already subscribed to my podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, what have you, Modern Medicine Movement, please do that. Please share these episodes to your friends, family, share a like, because that's how we get more folks to listen and to enjoy and most importantly, to benefit from this up-to-date, clinically useful, and helpful day-to-day information that literally can change your life one day at a time. Optimize your health, your wellness, that of your mind, your body, your energy, your spirit, even, heck, we've even had financial podcasts. So anyway, um, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. If you haven't already done so, please um, hit me up for a review on Apple Podcasts. Scroll to the bottom where you see those five stars and click on the one farthest to the right, number five of the five, and just uh, click the little link below. Write me a quick review. Really appreciate that. So helpful. It gets the word out. Without further ado, guys, let's get into it. So we talked about a year ago about intermittent fasting or what some might refer to as time restricted feeding or time restricted eating or i've referred to it a little bit as mindful eating there's also this concept of intuitive fasting which 
it's kind of really just the same thing. It's just allowing your body to, you know, direct you, you know, your needs and, and your overall desires to kind of, you know, direct both your eating and, and also your fasting. And I would, I would caution you because, um, if you just kind of use this intuitive approach, if your metabolism is kind of not functioning optimally and it's a little bit wrecked and it's not flexible yet, we've talked about metabolic flexibility. If you missed that podcast, go back and re-listen because that'll kind of give you a little bit of a primer on what uh, we're going to talk about here. But basically, if your metabolism is not functioning well and you don't have metabolic flexibility your body is sending you oftentimes the wrong signals. You know, you might be hungry all the time. You might feel like snacking all the time. And part of this may be, you know, your habits have directed this over the years. You've kind of fed your metabolism at all hours of the day because often many of us, including me, learned back in medical school and my nutrition classes in medical school that we're supposed to eat every two to three hours to keep our energy up. (laughs) And this is actually one of the worst things we could have been taught because what that does is when you eat, it spikes your glucose, which spikes your insulin, right? And it keeps your insulin up way too much. And when your insulin is up too much, you get insulin resistant which makes you have all kinds of propensity or the likelihood of developing all these chronic conditions that we don't want, like diabetes, uh, obesity, cardiovascular disease, even cancers, um, all are increased by having insulin resistance. So eating every two to three hours is not awesome for your body, but if you've been doing it a long time, that's kind of what your body is used to, and you may have signals that tell you to eat every two to three hours because you've basically been doing this for months or years or decades. And so that's what your body kind of wants. So you got to break the cycle uh, before you can really benefit from the true intuitive or mindful eating or intuitive fasting. You got to break that cycle of snacking. (laughs) So that's almost always my first tip to kind of start to improve your insulin sensitivity is just, you got to stop snacking. So you got to, you know, my wife kind of for her kinesiology degree, she's got a bachelor's in kinesiology. She's also got a bachelor's in nursing, uh, fitness and wellness. Um, she was in the coaching, training. Um, she's a personal trainer, certified trainer, and that, you know, 20 years of that. And she was always kind of under the you know premise that it was good to do the 4412 model, which is basically you eat your meals, but you don't snack between meals. So you don't eat between meals and between dinner and breakfast. You should wait at least 12 hours. And that's an awesome place to start. That way you can still get in your three meals, but you're also getting a 12 hour window be, you know, between dinner and breakfast and you're not snacking. So that's a good place to start. And then we'll kind of add to that here with a little bit of a, we'll call it a circadian fasting, right? If you guys remember the circadian rhythm is sort of our body's natural, you know, light and dark rhythm, you know, the so-called diurnal, the day or the nocturnal, the night and exposing ourselves to light during the daytime, you know, to trigger our, you know, brains to say, Hey, wake up. It's daytime. Be energized, be refreshed, energetic, you know, get your work done. And then once, um, the evening comes along and the sun sets, you know, we have melatonin then go up telling our body to kind of chill, relax, and, uh, you know, get into that nocturnal cycle where we kind of let our bodies repair, regenerate, and get ready for the next day, do all the housekeeping and cleaning stuff. So that's kind of the um, circadian biology, if you will. There's a lot of fancy 
words out there, you know, chronology um, or chronobiology, if you will, sort of the study of how all of our, you know, physiological processes are affected by this night and day cycle. This circadian rhythm affects basically all of our biological systems, everything from our gut, that's right, your gut, your bacteria in your gut, your own cells in your gut, your microbiome, it's all affected by these daily cycles. And if we get that fine-tuned, our gut will be happier, it'll be healthier, our hormonal balance will improve, and it's a natural segue into this circadian fasting biology, which is super easy. It's sort of what we were programmed to do. You know, if you just think about it, say, hundreds of years ago, you know, prior to the advent of electricity and refrigerators and all these kinds of things, we didn't eat, you know, when we first rolled out of bed in the morning because we didn't have, you know, stuff sitting around from the day before. We didn't have leftovers. We didn't have snacks. We didn't have any pre-prepared, ready-to-go food. So we naturally did a circadian fast, meaning, you know, we ate our last meal typically, you know, before sundown or at sundown. And then it was dark, you know, we just kind of wrapped it up for the night, had a nice good eight hour plus sleep, got up in the morning with the sun coming up. And then we didn't look for breakfast, you know, to eat around the house. We went out and we hunted and we gathered and we often had to put several hours into, you know, getting our food because we didn't have any sitting around. And so minimum, you know, our predecessors had a minimum 12 hour window. It was probably more like 14 to 16 and then once they got their food, you know, they ate it and then they probably ate one more meal, you know, in the evening. And that was it. You know, most most of our predecessors really only ate two meals. You know, the advent of breakfast. I did a whole podcast on breakfast and breakfast cereals and all these things. This is sort of a modern invention. You know, historically, we never really ate breakfast. You know, if you go way back thousands of years, um, there was a time where they had one class of people, you know, typically uh, have some breakfast. And these tended to be in, in many different societies, the super hardworking class or even the slaves they would often feed in the mornings because they wanted them to work all day long. And the other guys that just had the normal kind of, you know, uh, jobs where they weren't out in the fields and uh, maybe enslaved or whatever, they weren't, weren't eating first thing in the morning. They were eating like a noon meal and then an evening meal. And that was it, two meals a day. So even into you know, civilized uh, situations, no one really ever typically ate breakfast. Breakfast was not the norm. And, you know, hearing this thing, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I mean, holy crap, honestly, like for the most part, that couldn't be more wrong. And so I actually heard that recently. One of the guys that I really enjoy, I follow him. He made a post, um, you know, I think it was about a week ago on how breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And I hate to tell you, man, that's propaganda. <laughs> that is basically, you know, propaganda that was created by the breakfast cereal industry, you know, Post and Kellogg's, you know, way back when. And super entertaining and very interesting historically to read up on how breakfast cereal started. And it was propaganda, you know, to get people to buy their cereal. And some of the original millionaires were from the Post and uh, Kellogg's families, right? I think the uh, Mar-a-Lago place in Florida was originally owned by the Post uh, family, you know, who basically got their money from breakfast cereal. So interesting side point. I won't, <laughs> won't dig into that because I did a whole podcast on breakfast cereals and, and truly breakfast for the most part and for most people is probably the worst meal of the day because typically we eat garbage. You know, we're eating processed foods, breakfast cereals, 
bagels, you know, croissants or, you know, danishes, donuts, whatever kind of processed garbage, scones, all these kinds of carbohydrate laden, you know, things in the morning, which is actually the worst time to eat a bunch of carbohydrates. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. I've, I've talked about that before. Check out my breakfast cereal podcast. But, but what I wanted to basically touch on is that historically, we weren't a breakfast people. And I would humbly advocate that we get back to our roots and that we remember what we were like hundreds of years ago, maybe even thousands of years ago, where we were super fit and healthy. We didn't die of cancer. We didn't die of heart attacks. You know, there's actually tribes in Africa, um, like the Hazda, for example, that present day still have this kind of hunter-gatherer lifestyle. And they literally have no chronic disease. I mean, they don't have diabetes for the most part. Um, all of those that still stick to the hunter gathering, those that have gone to, you know, the cities and things and come back, they often come back with illnesses such as that from their industrialized world, you know, neighbors, you know, because they got out of the practice of their hunter gathering lifestyle where they basically did a circadian fast every day, you know, where they had their evening meal and then nothing else for 12 to 16 to 18 hours until they found and hunted their food the next day. And so that's what we always did. And that was super healthy for us. And so we kind of need to get back to those roots. And this is what I would refer to as circadian uh, fasting. It's basically the natural body's diurnal cycle of basically not eating after the sun goes down until later on the next day, minimum of 12 hours, hopefully uh, with time and with practice, you can even extend this a couple hours more because that's where you'll really reap the benefits of sort of all these intermittent fasting benefits. You know, there's been so many on uh, my previous podcast, we talked about how it decreases the incidence of all these chronic diseases like diabetes, obesity, insulin resistance. It improves all that. It also has been shown to improve longevity. It's been shown to improve your mental function, your mental awareness, your sharpness, your just ability to focus and be able to really be on point. And I noticed that and it was like a huge thing for me. Like when I roll out of bed in the morning, number one, I'm not really even hungry. But number two, as I go a few hours having not eaten anything and I just drink my my liquids, you know, usually water, maybe a little water with lemon. Um, also have sort of a um, electrolyte beverage um, that I drink that has a few... Uh, nutritional supplements in it that's less than 50 calories that helps me out kind of both with uh, maintaining a good blood sugar balance as well as helps me energy wise and it just helps my mental clarity like I'm super focused in the morning I find it it's my creative time I also have lots of energy I always work out in the morning before I eat and I'm able to do this easily um, because of this extra energy that I have from intermittent fasting and and you'll you'll notice this as well as you do it and I wanted to share with you uh, some of the additional benefits that I've, um, you know, found on some recent studies about uh, intermittent fasting or circadian fasting, if you will. There's a super interesting one that was done by a lady um, by the name of Patterson. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, but basically, she was looking at what she called a circadian fast, which was only um, a 13-hour window from dinner to breakfast. So that's really simple. I mean, if you think about it, that's like, say you eat your dinner at 7 p.m. and then 7 a.m. you get up or whatever, and then 8 a.m. you eat breakfast. So you only waited an hour after you woke up before you ate something. So that was a 13-hour uh, fast. They would you know, call that classically kind of a circadian 
fast because most of that time you spend sleeping anyway. So no more midnight snacks, guys. Sorry, it's not healthy for you. Um, just drink water, you know, or, or what have you. And, um, you know, it'll come with time. I mean, sometimes you might feel like snacking, but I think as you practice this, it'll actually get pretty easy because most of the time you spend during this circadian fast, if you will, is actually sleeping, you know, eight hours of sleep plus a couple hours on either end, say two hours after dinner, two hours before breakfast, and you've got it. There's your 12-hour circadian fast. So this lady, Miss um, Patterson, published a study. Um, I got it pulled up here. Let's pull up the actual study for you guys. And what I found was pretty interesting. This was from the JAMA um, Journal of American Medical Association Oncology section from August 2016, and it's entitled Prolonged nightly fasting and breast cancer prognosis. This I found pretty interesting. Um, Ruth Patterson um, and her colleagues basically looked at how um, this circadian fasting, and they just looked at a 13-hour window between dinner and breakfast without eating. You know, you can drink as much fluid water um, or non caloric uh, fluid as you want, but just no food for those 13 hours, she found that this decreased the risk of breast cancer recurrence. So this was a group of ladies. It was actually a fairly decent study, 2,413 women. So pretty pretty good uh, N or the number of participating women in the study was over 2,000 people. And they had one group where they did this 13-hour nightly nocturnal uh, circadian fast. And the other group, they just kind of let them do normal behavior, um, which unfortunately, most of us here in the U.S., we have the what I like to call the sad <laughs> diet, the standard American diet. And it's a sad diet. And we typically, on average, are eating 16 hours a day, right? There's only eight hours that we're not eating, and basically, that's while we're asleep. We eat our late-night snack, then we go to bed. We get up in the morning, and we put something in our mouths immediately, which just is... Like I said, the worst thing we could do. I mean, super important to have that window where you allow your gut and your body to rejuvenate and perform all of the sort of regenerative missions and functions that it does, like autophagy, which I've talked about in a previous podcast, and cellular and DNA repair, and all those things, the sort of housekeeping, if you will, that has to happen in our bodies and if we're eating all day long, that requires a tremendous amount of both energy, but also um, just all the other things and functions that go into that. And if we're doing that, we can't have the proper cellular and metabolic and physiologic rest that we need to do those housekeeping functions and repair our DNA and you know get, uh, get our cells back into gear, flush out all the toxins and all those things that happen at night while we sleep if we're eating that whole window because we're basically sucking up all the energy to process our food and, and so on and so forth. So, so having a window where we're not putting something in our mouths is super important. And so Ruth Patterson found this, that specifically her group, she was looking at breast cancer survivors, like I said, over 2,000 of them, and they found that those that did nightly fasting of 13 hours had a st statistically significant um, reduction in cancer recurrence. I think it was like 34%. And uh, this decreased with uh, lesser time of nightly fasting. So as they decreased it to 12 or 10 or 9 or 8 hours, you know, they had a higher uh, rate of breast cancer recurrence. And, and I think this is probably because most cancers are largely glucose sensitive. And if we're eating you know, this big window, we're providing glucose to these cancer cells preferentially because they're the more metabolically active cells. 
And so they, they come back, they grow, they proliferate. And so one of the ways that um, a lot of the recent data looks at how to help treat cancer in sort of a um, intermittent fasting and a ketotic uh, protocol, if you will, to kind of starve the cancer cells because they don't do well when they're not getting the glucose that they're used to. And so cutting the glucose with things like um, decreasing carbohydrates in your diet and you know, also doing this intermittent, or in her case, it was just basically the nighttime fasting, the circadian uh, fasting, if you will. And it was, it was effective. It was shown to decrease uh, the recurrence of cancer in these breast cancer survivors by 34%. So that's legit. That's legit. So cool study. Um, I wanted to share with you, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, there was another one that was very interesting in the New England Journal that I wanted to share with you guys by Mark Matson, And this was pretty recent, December 26th of 2019. Uh, Rafael de Cabo and Mark Patterson did a review article in the New England Journal, which is a super solid medical journal on intermittent fasting. And it's entitled, The Effects of Intermittent Fasting on Health, Aging, and Disease. So I'll share with you um, in the show notes. This, this I thought was a pretty interesting because they kind of basically review all of the data up until that point that they were able to um, access and, and share sort of the main ideas and, and the things that they gleaned from that. And basically, um, you know, they, they basically articulate all the multiple benefits of intermittent fasting um, on the body. And, and what I liked, which I hadn't heard many people talk about before, is they sort of talked about this um, metabolic switch that occurs once you've been fasting for, you know, 10 or 12 hours, that basically your metabolism switches off. So this uh, metabolic uh, switch, if you will, uh, the metabolic switch that occurs when you're doing intermittent fasting, basically, you got to be, you know, over 10, 12 hours of not eating (laughs) to turn this switch on. And when the switch turns on, as described by this New England Journal of Medicine article on intermittent fasting by um, Matson and uh, DeCabo, it basically turns on sort of the fat burn and, you know, as well as sort of the energy activation, if you will, of the metabolism which I think is pretty stinking awesome. And, and this is something that I've noticed personally when I do intermittent fasting, which is most days, you know, I, I would say probably six days a week. You know, on the weekends, I, I'm a less sort of strict about it. Um, we usually like to have a big uh, like Sunday breakfast. And, and typically this is still breakfast at like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. So I'm still doing kind of a circadian fast, you know, which may be about 12 or 13 hours. Typically in my day, uh, fast is closer to 16 or even 18 hours, um, you know, where I basically eat my meal at night at about 7 p.m. And then I don't eat again until one or two. <laughs> I eat my, you know, I, I call it breakfast sometimes. It's probably more of a brunch, but I, I like, you know, eating, you know, three or four eggs as well as some avocado. But I do this at about, you know, one or two in the afternoon. So I'm, I'm still doing a 16 to 18 hour intermittent fast most days. And like I said, the weekends, it's probably more of a 10 excuse me, 12 or 13 hour, more of a circadian fast, which as I mentioned that article um, in uh, JAMA that talks about how this helped the breast cancer survivors, it was only a 13 hour sort of nightly or or circadian fast. So it wasn't a long period of time. And this is where I would kind of recommend people start um, if they haven't done intermittent fasting before, because it's really easy, you know, Um, start with like 11 or 12 hours from your dinner to your breakfast and you'll find that as you do this, maybe every week or two, 
you can be able to increase that window a little bit farther. Um, so start small. You don't have to do a 16 or 18 hour fast the first day. You know, try just a 10 or 12 hour nightly fast. Uh, we can refer to this as a circadian fast where you're basically not eating in the evening and um, maybe waiting a couple hours when you wake up to eat your breakfast. And you'll find, I would bet, <laughs> that you'll have a lot more energy. You'll be a lot more mentally focused and sharp. You know, after you do this a couple of days, I mean, you'll be surprised how energetic you'll be. And also you'll activate sort of that metabolic switch that was referred to in that New England Journal of Medicine article, and I'll put a note uh, for that in the show notes because that activates sort of all these good qualities of your metabolism where you start to burn fat. You go into sort of the fat burn, if you will, and get off the glucose metabolism. And I think that's why this is so beneficial to cancer patients or cancer survivors like the other article that I mentioned because they, you know, those cancer cells, they're basically limited by glucose. I mean, they primarily are metabolically seeking the glucose for their um, cellular um, energy. And so if you starve those cancer cells of the glucose, they don't proliferate, you know, in the same degree. They don't survive as well. So really cool, really cool stuff. And obviously that's a natural technique, doesn't require any specific medication, and it could be used in conjunction with other therapies. So super interesting. Love that we're starting to see that in the literature as well. Um, Super cool stuff I wanted to add. There's also kind of this notion, like I said at the outset of this uh, sort of intuitive fasting. And this is where you kind of follow your body signals. And this tends to work a lot better once you break your, you know, glucose metabolism cycle or the snacking cycle that a lot of us are into. Once we kind of stop snacking, we prolong the windows between our meals, we eat less carbohydrates, then we can kind of be more intuitive with how we eat, you know, sort of mindful or intuitive eating as well as the mindful or intuitive fasting as well, because we'll find that honestly, we're really not hungry when we wake up in the morning. We won't feel hangry. In fact, um, since I've been doing this, I've been doing this, geez, probably a couple of decades because I, I never used to even feel hungry in the morning. I often ate because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. But then when I would eat, you know, when I first rolled out of bed, it often give me an upset stomach. And finally, I just just kicked it. I said, forget this, man. I, I don't even feel good when I eat right after I wake up. I like to wait a few hours anyway. So I, I sort of, before I even knew anything about circadian fasting or, you know, this um, metabolic uh, uh, switch that turns on, I sort of noticed it because I was energized when I woke up in the morning. I didn't crave anything um, to eat. And I just drink a big tall glass of water and I'd get on with my day. And, you know, I, I was always sharp and alert and I loved it. So I did this even without knowing about it. But now that I understand the benefits, I think they're even more evident to me. Um, I think they will be to you as well. Um, other cool things that happen with intermittent fasting or even just uh, sticking to sort of a circadian fast, which is kind of this uh, natural night nighttime fast, if you will, is the gut health and your gut bacteria, they respond to this. You know, there's a gut bacteria called acromancia, which is a good gut bacteria that you want to have. And the colony, you know, formation will occur to a greater degree. You'll proliferate this good kind of bacteria in your gut when you do this di, you know, um, urinal uh, fast. In other words, uh, the nocturnal fast, I should say, when you do the circadian fast, where you basically just don't eat at night and that'll increase the um, colonies of this good bacteria in your gut. And so acromancia is a really good bacteria to have. And 
if you fast 12, 13, 14, 15, even up to 16, 17 hours, you're getting the benefit from the proliferation of this good gut bacteria. And I'll try to link up a study in the show notes that shows this really cool, interesting stuff. So intermittent fasting just has so many beneficial effects, including uh, improving your gut health. And um, it's just <laughs> so many, so many positive benefits. You know, you've heard of some folks that have, you know, SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And and this can almost completely reverse with some simple techniques. And one of them is intermittent fasting and super awesome stuff. Um, you know, one, one uh, quote that I shared a few weeks back on, I think my Facebook was that, uh, you know, we, it was talking about weight loss. And a lot of people have this uh, mentality that I'm going to get healthy by losing weight. I'm going to get healthy by losing weight. Well, I would say that the converse of this is more true. In other words, if you lose, um, in other words, if you get healthy first, you will tend to lose weight. I might have said that wrong at the beginning. A lot of people say, I'm going to lose weight to get healthy. That's what most people say. I'm going I'm to lose weight. I'm going to then get healthy and then blah, 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 blah. Well, I would say if you try to get healthy first, you know, pay attention to what you're putting into your body. Try to stick to natural whole foods. Try not to eat processed sugars and refined carbohydrates and all the processed stuff that you buy that has a label that's prepackaged. If you avoid almost all of that and just stick to real whole foods, you will improve the quality of your nutrients, you know, and you will get healthy. And if you get healthy, the weight just melts away. You don't even specifically have to try to lose weight. And that's why this whole concept of caloric restriction that I think most people have been taught since they were young about dieting, you know, you have to just, you got to just eat less, exercise more, eat less, exercise more. That's kind of been the dogma for over a hundred years, you know, probably 200 years. And especially in the U.S., you know, ever since uh, dieting was kind of talked about way back when, you know, that it was imperative that we diet and starve ourselves and start counting our calories, you know, by that famous uh, dieting book that came out, um, you know, over a hundred years ago. And I think we've all kind of got this backwards. And when we think that we need to, you know, lose weight and then magically we'll get healthy or that we just need to eat less and exercise more. And what's interesting is, you know, caloric re restriction has some benefits, but if you actually do the get healthy first part, and one of the techniques that will help you with that is intermittent fasting, you'll find that the weight just melts away. You don't have to specifically calorically restrict. In fact, there have been studies that look at that. They compare the same number of calories that you eat, and they, they've done this where they'll have like two groups of people. For example, you'll take one group, you'll feed them 1,500 or 2,000 calories a day, but they can eat it anytime they want. And then the second group, and this is actually, they give you the food. It's kind of like Weight Watchers. You know, they give you all the food so people can't really cheat. They just follow the protocol, eat the foods that they're given. And then the second group, they were given the exact same foods. They had the exact same calories, but they only let them eat that, you know, total amount of food during eight hours, I believe it was. And they had a tremendous improvement. And not only, you know, they lost more weight than the control group, but... They also improved their insulin sensitivity, you know, their insulin resistance went down, their blood sugars went down, they had less diabetes, prediabetes, hyperglycemia, you know, improved their 
cholesterol profiles, all these things improved, their metabolic health improved, even though they ate the exact same number of calories as the controlled group. But what they did is they narrowed the window. So instead of eating for the average, you know, 16 hours a day in, in most humans in the developed worlds, they narrowed that down to, I think it was eight hours. It may have been 10 or 12, but they just narrowed that window. And then they started to reap all these metabolic benefits. So that's eucaloric. In other words, the same number of calories. So this is not calorie restriction. Intermittent fasting in and of itself does not mean calorie restriction. They're not equivalent terms. Calorie restriction is basically you're just counting your calories and you're trying to eat less calories. And that traditionally, that dogma has not worked. I mean, there have been, geez, dozens and dozens of studies that show this, that the likelihood that you will keep, that you will lose the weight and keep it off by just calorie restriction is like, one in 200 or something like that. It's horrible. You know, anybody that's been on a diet that's just tried to restrict their calories knows that, you know, they lose some weight, you know, lose a couple of pounds. And then guess what? It comes right back because it's just, it's not, not a good way to live either. It's kind of this restriction, you know, nobody likes restrictions. Right. And, and so I would, I would suggest that instead of focusing on caloric restriction, you just focus on improving the quality of your food and inherently, when you do that, and if you also narrow that feeding window, you know, just do this simple nocturnal fast or the circadian fast where you fast for 12 or 13 hours, you know, and you don't do late night snacks, you don't eat when you first wake up in the morning, super simple, you will naturally improve your metabolism. And you will find that those stubborn five or 10 pounds, they're going to melt away. It's going to be awesome. So you don't lose weight to get healthy, okay? You get healthy by these techniques, intermittent fasting, eating good, high-quality foods, and you will lose the weight. So let's reverse that. I challenge you to do that. Get healthy, and you will lose that weight. It's simple, and it's a whole different you know, mental process, too. You're not starving yourselves. You're not counting your calories or restricting yourselves. It's, it's an amazing way to live, to not be restricted. I think you'll, you'll love it. And guess what? It actually works, as opposed to caloric rest restriction, which just... It doesn't really work. Um, yeah, about one in 200 people, I just found it in my notes, will lose weight and actually keep it off by caloric restriction. So it just, it just doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help. Uh, so stop counting calories and just focus on improving the quality of your food. I think it's so much simpler. You know, start with a simple 12 to 13-hour nocturnal or circadian fast and just go from there. You know, you can kind of extend that by a half an hour you know, every week till you get to about 16 hours or so, or just do what, what your body, you know, wants and what, what sort of that sweet spot. And it's different for everybody. My sweet spot happens to be around 16 to 18 hours. It's, that's where I feel amazing. And, you know, when I do eat, it's because then I'm finally wanting to eat, you know, and I want to eat good, healthy, natural foods. That's what I crave. I don't crave junk food anymore. And that's because I've got my gut healthy. Circadian eating and paying attention to this will improve your gut bacteria and you'll actually decrease those bad populations um, in your gut that, that crave the bad stuff, that crave carbohydrates, that send signals to your brain, you know, about uh, wanting to eat all this garbage, you know, food <laughs> because it's not your fault, you know, don't blame yourself. I mean, oftentimes it's just a bad makeup of your gut flora, but you can change that. You're not subject to that for the rest of your life. You can actually change that. So that's what's so, so cool. Really, really love that. We're not defined by our current 
biology or our current gut health, that can all be changed. We have control over that. Super, super cool, super interesting, super exciting. And doing so is not hard. It can be as simple as that circadian fast. And as we do that, we can improve not only our metabolic health, we'll have more energy, but we'll also decrease the likelihood of having all these you know, annoying you know, metabolic illnesses like diabetes and obesity and even our risk of developing cancer, kidney disease, all these kinds of things uh, will decrease as we get metabolically healthy. So anyway, that's it for today. I kind of I got a little bit long on the monologue. Apologize for that. But I just really wanted to share the importance of these simple, simple things and the circadian fast circadian fast because it's really just a a different way to describe intermittent fasting it's probably one of the easiest things you just prolong your your nighttime window that you're not eating and it doesn't really even feel like a fast i don't think so so hope this is helpful hope this is valuable to you guys if so please share this uh podcast share this video um and uh you know tag your friend um i think uh they could find benefit as well it's the simple things in life that i think can give us the biggest bang for our buck so to speak So anyway, that's all for now. Um, Shoot me an email or reach out to me on Insta or Facebook if you have questions. And uh, I'd love to answer them and I'd love to podcast on the things that you're interested in. Because there's, uh, oh my gosh, so many things that we can learn that are simple, simple things that have a big impact. And that's what I really feel like this intermittent fasting or circadian uh, fasting can be so simple yet so powerful and I really love to focus on those things uh, as I share with my health journey with you and my podcasting because you know nobody wants to be overwhelmed with keeping a notebook or a diary or a journal or having to count our calories because guess what it doesn't even work (laughs) don't count your calories just pay attention to improving the quality of your food and you will come out ahead in the end so love you guys share this shoot me a review shoot me a note uh, modern medicine movement podcast at gmail.com reach out to me on instagram at aloha surf doc on facebook thomas hemingway or the modern medicine movement i'd love to connect with you so until next time a big aloha from hawaii Maine.